Well, today we're wrapping up this series entitled, Let's Talk About It, where we've been talking about the integration of spiritual and mental health, how we bring both of those fields together and how we're able to move forward. Part of the goal of this series has been to make faith practical, to help us understand what God's word says, these spiritual principles, and then how we can apply them in our life, how we can bring the whole counsel of God's word into our life and we're able to move forward. And today I wanna share with you about the art, the science, and the faith of breakthrough. The art, the science, and the faith of breakthrough. Because breakthrough experiences are real. Breakthrough experiences are real. And I believe God wants to create breakthrough in our life today. And I just wanna encourage you to prepare your heart for what God wants to do. I want you to get ready for breakthrough. In fact, that's the title of my message, Ready for Breakthrough. I want to invite you to say it with me as a declaration of faith that you are ready for breakthrough. Say it with me. Ready for breakthrough. Say it again. Ready for breakthrough. I, th- I believe God wants to prepare us for breakthrough. You see, breakthrough moments are actually reflected in the psychology and life change literature. We look at that field of study, what we discover is that there's two types of change that are written about. One is incremental change, that's change that happens slowly over time, and then there's transformational change, change that happens in an instant. I'll give you some example, parents. Uh, When you're raising your kids, they grow inch by inch, grade by grade, year by year. They also grow very slowly in their ability to do chores, right? You're having to remind them, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room. And sometimes you feel like they're not listening to you and you're having to do this over and over and over and you're saying, we're doing all of this work but we're not seeing a whole lot of results. That's incremental change. But I've heard from parents, I, I can't say that I've, I've experienced this yet, but I've heard this from empty nesters, that there comes a moment when your kids leave home and they come back to you and they finally say, you were right. Everything that you told me growing up, you were right. And I'm telling you right now, just practically as a parent, I'm holding on to that moment because it hasn't happened yet. I'm believing in faith that that transformational moment will happen in their life, most importantly, but also by extension in my life. I want to experience that moment where I can have the satisfaction of hearing them say, you were right. You were right. Also, transformation moments. These transformational breakthrough moments are also reflected in in the study of history. They're called hinge moments in history. You know, there's hinge moments in history, moments when things happen and everything changes. When you look back in history, obviously Jesus coming to the world was a hinge moment. Everything changed after he came. But even more practically in more recent history, the creation of the polio vaccine was a hinge moment. The, the, the death of JFK was a hinge moment. COVID was a hinge moment. 9-11 was a hinge moment. It was a moment when something happened and everything else changed. I also want to take you to another place. In biology and also in psychology, there's some documentation of breakthrough moments. They're actually called quantum change 
moments, quantum change moments. It's when something changes at the cellular level. I'll give you one example. It's when a caterpillar goes into a chrysalis and then comes out and becomes a butterfly. In fact, the word for that is called a metamorphosis, a metamorphosis. And I believe that God wants to provide a breakthrough moment for you. I believe he wants to create a hinge moment in your history. I believe he wants to create quantum change in our life. And I believe that as we align our life with God, that we are going to qualify for quantum change. I believe that breakthrough is possible. With God, breakthrough truly is possible. And I want you to set your heart on the possibility that God is working in your future right now and he's leading you to a breakthrough, transformation, quantum change moment. But we must be willing to align our minds and our hearts with God. You see, quantum change, it's not just incremental change, it's a fundamental change in how we think and how we live. We must be willing to align our life our heart, it must, be, it must be all of our mind and all of our heart and all of our strength and all of who we are. We must allow God to have permission to work in our life. And I wanna share with you from the word of God about how we can be ready for breakthrough, how we can qualify for breakthrough in our life. I wanna invite you to join me in Romans chapter 12 and verse two. And while you're turning there, I wanna invite you to open up your Bible, open up your Westover app. In the Westover app, we actually have notes that you, can, that you can copy and paste into your notes, and you can take notes along. So I know some of you, you really enjoy taking notes, and I just want to invite you to do that. But let's go to the Word of God and discover how we can experience quantum change. This was written by Paul, one of the first century followers of Jesus. He experienced quantum change in his life. He was once killing Christians, and then God changed his life, and he became a different person. And I believe that what God did for Paul he can do for us as well. Let's read the word of God together. He says this, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but, get, but let God transform you. Say transform. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know and learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. What Paul is saying here is this. It is God's will for us to know his will. He wants us to know his will, but in order for us to know his will, we have to think like him. And in order for us to think like him, we actually have to reject the customs and the practices of this world. And so today, as we look at word, the word of God, I wanna share with you a couple ways that we can be ready for breakthrough. Are you ready for breakthrough? Are you ready for breakthrough? I truly hope you are. Here's the first way to be ready for breakthrough. Allow Jesus to change you. I'm going to let that sink in. That's good. Allow Jesus to change you. You see, Jesus needs our permission to change our life. Jesus needs our permission to change our life. In fact, we look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. We discover in that moment that God gives man what's called free will. And free will is the ability for us to choose how we're going to live our life. 
We can either choose blessing or cursing. We can choose life or death. We can choose how we navigate life. We have the ability to choose whether we're going to follow Jesus or follow our own intuition. We have the power to choose. This is what Genesis 1.28 says. This was God speaking to Adam, but also all of humanity. He says this, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. This word that's translated govern reflects the fact that God gave us free will. That's why we must choose to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior or choose for us to be our own Lord and Savior. We have the ability to choose that. And this is why Paul emphatically says in verse 2, let God transform you. This word for transform is the same word I mentioned just a moment ago, metamorphosis. Let God transform you. Let him create a quantum change in your life. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, allow God to change you. Allow him to come into your life. Allow him to change your life. One of the ideas here is this, is that we need to give God the keys to our life. Not just to the the places where we want him to go, but we must give him full access. He needs to have permission to go into all the closets, all the corners, all the isolated areas in our life, and we need to allow him to come in and change us from the inside out. We must allow him to step in and make a difference. Because when we don't allow Jesus in fully, what happens is we block our own breakthrough. And I don't want any of us to block our own breakthrough. In fact, I believe that we need to allow him to come in. One of the ways that we often block our own breakthrough is we pursue God on the weekend and then we do our own thing during the week. The Bible calls that being double-minded. I don't believe that God just wants us to be Sunday Christians. I believe he wants us to be Monday Christ followers. We need to be willing to follow him every day, every moment of our life. We must allow Jesus to change us because coming to church isn't about checking the box. Coming to church is meant to equip you for the battle that is ahead. God intends for us to receive his word and for us to then take it into the world. It's not just something that's supposed to end up in our notebook. It's supposed to be something that's written on our heart and written in our life. We must allow God to change how we think so that he can then change how we live. Sometimes what happens when we're double-minded, when we're trying to pursue God in our own way is we get frustrated because that doesn't work. And we start having these conversations with God where we say, God, it's not fair, I'm frustrated, I'm not moving forward. We don't realize is that God is there, he's waiting for us. Sometimes we believe that God's holding out on us when actually he's holding out for us. What that means is that he's standing on the sidelines of our life, waiting for us to realize that he can do a better job of running our life than we can. And so we must be willing to allow him to step in. I want you to consider for a moment, what if when you think that you're waiting on God, that he's actually waiting on you? What if that's what's actually happening? I believe that God's more interested in changing our life than sometimes we are. But if we're willing to align with him and allow him to change our life, we can move forward. In fact, I think one of the things that God's hoping and praying that we would do is that we would fully pursue him. I want to challenge you. 
to pursue God's presence, pursue Jesus, and not just an emotional experience. One of the areas where we stumble when it comes to our faith, when it comes to breakthrough, is in the area of worship. I believe sometimes what happens is that we pursue emotional experiences instead of spiritual encounters. Sometimes I believe that we pursue emotional experiences instead of spiritual encounters. Here's how you can diagnose whether you're pursuing emotional experiences when it's all about you. Sometimes when we come into worship, we don't start this way, but we drift into it where we believe that worship is about our experience, about how we feel. I hear people say, I enjoy worship because I feel good when I leave. Well, I'm here to remind us that worship isn't about us. It's actually for God. And God deserves worship whether we feel his presence or not because he is worthy. And so I want to challenge us to not pursue emotional experiences but spiritual encounters. Because what happens is when we pursue emotional experiences, we become the object of worship. When worship is about us, we're the object of worship. When worship is about God, he is the object of worship. I've also discovered that when we're pursuing emotional experiences in worship, it's transactional and it's temporary. The idea is that we give to God in order to get something in return. But when worship becomes about a spiritual encounter, what happens in that moment, it becomes transformational and it becomes eternal. What we realize is that we get the privilege to give worship to God. And I believe that as we give worship to him, we're gonna encounter his presence. I believe this, that if we really truly pursue an encounter with God, we'll discover he'll change everything because one encounter with Jesus can transform your life forever. One encounter with Jesus can transform your life forever. And so I don't want you to just settle for an emotional experience. Allow Jesus to change you. When you pursue an encounter with Jesus, you're gonna discover that he's gonna come close and he's gonna help you. So challenge you today, pursue an encounter with him and I believe he can change your life. Here's the second way to be ready for breakthrough. Change your thoughts to renew your mind. Change your thoughts to renew your mind. God wants to change our thoughts in order to renew our mind, but one of the barriers that often happens psychologically for us is that we have a tendency to believe that we're actually right. We have a tendency to believe that we're actually right. I, I saw this play out in my relationship with my son. A couple of years ago, my son was learning math uh, and he doesn't like math, right? Because it's frustrating and you, you have to get the right answer and you have to follow these order of operations. And uh, part of his frustration was the fact that he was learning common core math, which is not the way we learn math. It's a new kind of math. I don't know if you know this, but it's a new kind of math. And so he came home and he's trying to explain to me about how to do the math problem. And, and then I try to teach him a new way. Actually, it's the old way, the way that's a little simpler, you know, carry the one and instead of, you know, doing all this other stuff. And he's like, dad, that's not going to work. And I said, give me a chance to explain. And so I tried to keep explaining. He's like, dad, that's not going to work. That's not how they taught me. I said, well, pause, time out. I said, my brain's bigger than you. I've been to 23 years of school and I'm smarter than you. So why don't we just give it a chance and try it out and see what happens? And he said, fine, I'll do it. So he did it and guess what? He got 100. 
He got 100. He got 100 because he was willing to listen. Sometimes we have to make the assumption that, we're th- that our thoughts are wrong. I believe we live in a culture where, where we believe that our thoughts are truth, and they're not. They're just our opinion and our perspective. We have a filter, and we have to assume that our thoughts and our beliefs could possibly be wrong. If you're going to second-guess anything in life, don't second-guess God's word. Second-guess your own thoughts. Second-guess your own thoughts, not God's word. And I want to just touch briefly on a topic that's in the church world that's been discussed in, in years past, and it's this idea of de- deconstruction. There's a conversation about deconstructing your faith. Well, I want to encourage you, if you're going to deconstruct anything, deconstruct your own thoughts and your own perspectives, but not God's word. Because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Here's what I'm here to share with you. God's word is God-breathed. It's authoritative, it's infallible, and you can rely on what God says because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you're going to deconstruct anything, be willing to deconstruct your own thoughts and submit them to Jesus. And I believe that as you do that, he will, he will renew your mind. He will change how you think. He'll renew your thoughts. This is what Paul says in verse 2. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Sometimes we want to be a new person with old thinking. God's saying, let me change the way you think so that you can be a new person. Today, I want to talk and share with you some steps to renew your mind. In these steps, there are steps that have numbers and there are steps that have letters. The steps that have numbers are spiritual steps. And the steps that have letters are practical steps. So we're trying to combine spiritual steps and practical steps. Spiritual steps and practical steps to help you renew your mind. The first one is this, it's a spiritual step. Sharpen your spiritual awareness. Sharpen your spiritual awareness. We need to realize that the enemy wants to attack our mind. Because if he can attack our mind, he can control our life. If he can control your thinking, he can control your future. This is what 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says this. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. I'm here to remind us that every Christian everywhere is facing the attack of the enemy. But God's inviting us to be spiritually aware and sober-minded and realize what thoughts were actually in our mind. Are they coming from God? Are they coming from us? Are they coming from the enemy. We need to have spiritual discernment about what we're thinking about. Here's how to practically live it out. We need to guard our gates, our eyes and our ears. We must be intentional about what we let into our life. Just like we are, we need to be meticulous about what we consume physically because what we feed ourselves will either provide nutrition or it will make us sick In the same way, we need to be careful about what we consume spiritually, and that comes in through our eyes and through our ears. Here's my question. Is what you're eating, is it providing spiritual nutrition or is it poison? 
What are you consuming on social media? What are you consuming on the internet? What movies are you consuming? What music are you listening to? Is it edifying God or is it distracting you and taking you off God's purpose? We must be spiritually discerning about what we consume. Guard your gates. The next one is question how you think. We need to question how we think. Be willing to assume that our thoughts are wrong. If you want to learn more about how to question how you think, I invite you to find the message that I shared a couple weeks ago in this series entitled Think Different, Live Different, where I unpack a framework about how to think differently. Number two, to renew your mind, this is a spiritual step. Submit thoughts to Jesus' authority. We've talked about this before, but it's worth reiterating. In Mark 12, 30, God tells us to fully love him, that we can love God with our mind. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We can love God with our mind, but we must be willing to allow him to have authority in our mind and in our thoughts. Then it goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, that Jesus has authority over everything we entrust to him. Jesus can have authority over our thoughts, even those terrible thoughts, even those unholy thoughts, but we must be willing to submit those thoughts to him. This is what it says in God's word. We can capture rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. We can submit them to the authority of Christ. So how do we do that practically? What we say is we pray a prayer when, a, when an intrusive thought comes from the enemy, something that is perverted, something that isn't right, something that isn't holy. What we say is, Jesus, I submit my life and I submit this thought to you. I want you to take control of it. You don't try to fight the battle on your own. You invite Jesus to win the battle in your mind. This is what we do. We submit those thoughts to the authority of Jesus. Number three, meditate on God's word. We must allow ourselves to chew on God's word. The word meditate is the idea of chew on. We must chew on God's word. That must be the thing that we meditate on. I believe that many of us, the reason we're struggling in our mental health is because we're meditating on worry instead of God's word. When you meditate on God's worry, it's going to make you physically, spiritually, and emotionally sick because worry doesn't come from God. You can be concerned, but worry is prayer that doesn't include God. And we must be willing to allow ourselves to meditate on God's word. That needs to be the thing that we're chewing on, we're reflecting on, we're allowing God to nourish us. Joshua 1.8 says this, study this book of instruction continually, not sporadically, continually. That needs to be the thing that we're meditating on, the thing that we're repeating time and time again, we're saying, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. God, you've promised to, 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 to ensure that I'm not the head. I'm the head and not the tail. You, we need to allow God to remind us that he came to give us abundant life, that he has plans and purposes for us. That's what we need to meditate on. That's what we need to repeat in our life. We need to allow ourselves to meditate on his word. Here's how we live this out practically. We need to reject negative thoughts. We need to replace them with positive thoughts, and then we need to repeat godly thoughts. We need to, we need to reject negative thoughts, replace them with positive thoughts, and then repeat, repeat godly thoughts. If you want to repeat godly thoughts, repeat God's word. If you want to repeat godly thoughts, repeat God's word. Because what we repeat gets reinforced. What we repeat, our habits, that's what ends up happening in our life. You see, we make our habits and then our habits make us. But sometimes the habits we make actually break us. 
We must allow God to inform our thinking so that he can change our future. The next is don't fight alone. Don't fight alone. This passage in Ecclesiastes basically says that if you walk alone, you're walking the path of eventual destruction because you don't have anyone to support you. It's the reason why we're constantly encouraging our church to get connected in a faith community, to be connected in a life group, to find people that you can have in your life. Everybody needs a battle buddy. Don't fight alone. What happens in life if we're lone rangers is eventually we lose. Don't be a lone ranger. Even Jesus, who was the son of God, who was God in the flesh, still had 12 guys around him. He still had a life group. He still had community. He still had somebody in his life that he could call on when he was at the most desperate moment of his life in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he died. He invited his friends close, Peter, James, and John, and said, come be with me, come pray with me. Don't fight the war alone. Here's how we live that out practically. Find somebody that you can go to battle with. Someone, not someone you can fight, okay, but somebody who can fight along with you in the battle of life. It's a friend, a pastor, a doctor, a counselor, a spouse. I'm here to share with you, for those of you who are married, that friend better be your spouse. This is good preaching right here. Make sure that your best friend is your spouse. Don't go find someone outside of your marriage to be your friend. Guys, if you need a friend, find a guy friend who can pray with you and encourage you. You don't need to find a lady at work. You don't need to find a lady at the gym. No, please, not at the gym. Don't try to find someone else to share your sorrows with. Share them with your spouse. Share them with a guy friend, and that's how you can move forward. And ladies, the same for you. Share your concerns with your spouse. And also, if you need to, find another lady who believes in Jesus, who can encourage you, who can encourage you and motivate you, but also challenge you and say, you're thinking wrong, sister. You're thinking wrong. You need to think more like Jesus. And sometimes we just need more sleep, more exercise, better food, supplements. Whatever it is that you're missing in your life, make sure to get that in your life so that you can move forward. But sometimes we also have to acknowledge the barriers that are in our life that prevent breakthrough. I want to share with you six barriers for breakthrough. The first one is pride. It's us believing that we know better than God. We don't. We're not God. He is. He knows everything. So what do we do? We replace pride with humility. Number two, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness sometimes holds us back because it keeps us shackled to our past. Sometimes we're shackled to the past. We're holding on to anger and unforgiveness not realizing that it's keeping us shackled to the pain of the past. When we forgive, we're not saying that what they did to us was right. What we're saying is that we deserve to be free because forgiveness sets us free. The third one is this. The third one is this is trauma. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that trauma is necessarily a barrier. I'm saying when we hold on to the emotions of trauma, it holds us back. Let me be clear. If you experience trauma, that wasn't your fault. Someone used their free will to hurt you. You didn't deserve it. God's heart broke for you when you experienced trauma. But you're not a victim anymore. You're now a survivor. God sees you as a survivor. And now what we have to do is we have to go back and allow God to help us process out that pain so that then we can move forward. Don't let trauma be the thing that holds you back. Work through the pain. Get the help that you need. Find a counselor. Find a pastor. Find a friend to help process through that so you can move forward. 
Addictive behaviors. Addictive behaviors, they stay around because they're not only spiritual, but they're also physical. People get addicted to different things because it makes them feel good. It also distracts them from the pain in their life. What happens is that people get a dependence on that. And the problem is, is that when we have a physical dependence on something that isn't God, that becomes an idol to us. And this is what Paul says in Ephesians 5.18 says, don't get drunk with wine, which will only, only ruin you. Instead, be filled with the spirit. What he's saying is don't run to any substance, any behavior. Instead, run to God. Don't run to a substance or behavior, run to God. Let him be your source. Let him be the one to set you free. Let him be the one to be where you go when you are hurting. Don't go to an addictive behavior. I'm not condemning anyone, but I'm, I'm inviting us to think differently about this. And the other one is unhealthy relationships. Sometimes we can stu get stuck in an unhealthy relationship and God wants to set us free. If you're in an unhealthy relationship and you're dating or engaged, take a time out. Get healthy, allow them to get healthy, and then evaluate at a later moment whether you need to be in that relationship. If you're married, if you're married and you're being treated incorrectly, don't leave the marriage, but be willing to set limits and boundaries about what you'll tolerate and permit. You can stay in the marriage, but not permit unhealthy behavior. Sometimes you have to set limits and boundaries. Sometimes if, if there's unrepentant sin or there's physical violence, then you may consider separation and divorce, but don't let that be the first thing you run to. In fact, don't leave your marriage unless God tells you to do so. If he doesn't tell you to leave the marriage, then stay in it. Our pastors are available to help you navigate that conversation. We're always looking for redemption and reconnection in relationship instead of just saying divorce. The last one is sin. Sin is missing the mark. Sometimes what we have to do is we have to, we have to tell God what's on our heart. You see, sin, when it's confessed to God, brings forgiveness. But sometimes we need to confess our sin and our challenges to other people so that we can be healed. God can't heal what we conceal, but God can heal what we reveal. We need to allow God to step in. And these are the barriers that prevent us from breakthrough. And so as we step into this moment, I just want to say God is wanting to move in your life. Here's the last way to be ready for breakthrough. Submit to God's will. Submit to God's will. God can do more with our surrender than we can with our control. And what we have to do is we have to submit to God's will and say, God, you're in charge. This often requires repentance. Repentance is turning away from past behaviors and a turning toward, towards God. And this is what Paul talks about in verse two. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. That's repentance. But let God transform you. That's renewal. He says, once you do that, then you will know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. When Jesus went to the cross, right before he went, he was in the garden and he was struggling spiritually. And what did he do? He said, God, can you remove this cup? And then he said, not my will, but yours be done. I believe that God wants us to submit our will to him. As I close, I wanna invite you to stand. I wanna share you, with you just some steps to experience breakthrough. When I worked as a counselor, I would pray with people to experience breakthrough. Number one, pray for God's protection and peace. Number two, relax. If we're tight in our body or in our mind and in our heart, God can't move. Give God permission to change you because he needs our permission.
ask Jesus to minister to you and then thank and worship God for what he's doing. I want to share with you that Jesus is in this house. He's ready to move. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite our prayer team, our staff to come up to the front. We're going to create an environment where we can encounter the presence of God. I believe breakthrough is possible for you. I believe he's here to minister that to you. But we must allow him to move in our life. And so right now what I want us to do is I want us to raise our hands. I want us to close our eyes and bow our heads. And let's give God permission. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray that God would move powerfully. I'm going to pray that, that you would be willing and open to allow God to move in your life. And as you do, I'm inviting you to step forward and, make, and allow God to work in your life. Let's pray right now. Jesus, we come to you in this moment. I pray, Lord, right now that you would have authority over every thought, every thought that's a, a discouraging thought, every thought that's preventing people to come to you. I pray that you would provide protection and peace over your people. May they relax in your presence. God, may, may they allow themselves to be changed by you. May they right now say, Jesus, I give you permission. And in fact, I invite, I invite everyone to say that, Jesus, I give you permission over all of my life. I need you today. I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. I want to qualify for breakthrough. God, I pray right now you just move in this house, move amongst your people, God. May they have confidence that you who spoke life and breath back into Jesus and raised him from the dead are the same God that can breathe transformation and exchange their sorrow into joy, God. I pray right now that you would move powerfully in our midst, God, as we seek your presence. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would pour out your spirit upon all people, God. I pray, Lord, that there would be transformation right now in the name of Jesus. God, we worship you and we invite you in. And everybody said... Amen. Here's what I want to do. Our prayer team's ready. They'd love to pray with you, to pray breakthrough for you. I don't want you to miss this moment that God has for you. And for those of you, if you are in the audience and maybe your life is going okay, can I just invite you to not passively experience worship, but I'm inviting you to give God the full worship that he deserves and also intercede for those who are coming to receive breakthrough. Jesus, I pray right now you move in this house, move amongst your people, Bring transformation, bring quantum change right now in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Let's worship the Lord.